Canine Cast number nine. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hi, it's Walter. Today I have a story for you. Walter found this earlier this morning and sent it to me. And then later on in the day, one of our listeners, Mark, sent it in as well. So uh, it really hit a chord and we wanted to share it with you. So I'll go ahead and read it now. This came from the Associated Press. Denver. A few weeks ago, two police cars and two animal control vehicles pulled up at the home of Stephanie Stefan looking for her beloved four-year-old dog, Zena. Seven officers hauled the animal off to the city shelter, putting her on death row. Since May, more than 380 dogs have been impounded and at least 260 destroyed, an average of more than three a day. Dog owners are in a panic. Some are using an underground railroad of sorts, sending their pets to live elsewhere, or hiding them from authorities. City officials would not estimate how many people might be violating the ordinance. Some owners, like Stefan, have won a reprieve for their pets with help from a rescue group. The group got Zena released by signing an affidavit stating that the animal would never return to Denver. So what is Zena's story? Did she kill somebody? Did she hurt somebody? Did she growl at somebody? Well, from this story, it doesn't appear that any of these things happened. Zena's story, her problem, what she did that has caused her to basically be a refugee, and what, and what Stephanie Stefan did, they, they didn't do anything. Zena is a pit bull, and Denver has instituted a pit bull breed ban. Now, this was actually instituted back in 1989 in the city. However, in 2004, the legislature, I believe of Colorado, although it does not specify in the story, the legislature passed a law prohibiting breed-specific bans. Then, this past April, the city sued, and what happened was the court, the court said that the prohibition was unconstitutional. So the court basically said that the law that was prohibiting the breed ban was unconstitutional and the breed ban is back in effect. Um, all of the dogs that I was talking about, the 380 that have been impounded, the ones that have been put down, all of them are pit bulls. None, and they are not being taken or put down because they did anything other than they were born the wrong breed. Now, I bring, I bring this up to you because it's a, it's a very sad story. There are all of all of these dogs being taken away from their owners that haven't done anything wrong just due to this breed ban. Now, I do not agree with breed bans and I will tell you why. They are ineffective. Basically, the the whole point of it is to is to basically stop dogs from from mauling people, from hurting people, from killing people to keep people safe. But a breed ban is not going to do that, all right? Say that, say that this breed ban works and all of the pit bulls somehow are taken out of Denver, never ever to return. Well, what's going to happen? Are dog attacks going to stop? No. Are they going to lessen substantially? Mm, probably not. And I'll, tell, and I'll tell you why. If all the pit bulls are taken away, then dogs of other breeds are going to do the same thing. The reason why is because the problem is not the breed. The problem is irresponsible owners. There are people 
who are simply attracted to tough macho dogs, you know, who want their dogs to, to, to guard them and to be aggressive and to go after other people. They encourage this behavior um, some, sometimes by breeding dogs with, with bad uh, aggressive temperaments, sometimes by training the dogs in the wrong way, and sometimes by even abusing the dogs to turn them against people and to make them aggressive out of fear. And this is very sad, but it goes on every day, and it doesn't just happen with pit bulls. It happens with many different breeds, and if you take the pit bulls away, then it will just happen with another breed, and it's happening now. Right, these, these breed bans have been instituted in different towns and cities across the nation. There are actually three large metropolitan areas. Denver is one, Miami is another, and Cincinnati is the third that all have breed bans. And all over the world, too, different places of the world. Yes, that's true. In different, in different countries, um, the same thing happens. But what, ha what, ha what happens after the pit bulls are gone? Well, you've probably heard um, more and more recently about Rottweiler attacks. That's the, that's the breed that they're moving to now. But if you remember in the past, at different times, there have been different breeds that have been, you know, the, the scary breed of the day. There have been Dobermans have been have been um, called you know the killer breed, German Shepherds, Akitas, Great Danes, Saint Bernard. It changes over time, and what happens is one one type of dog gets a bad reputation, one breed of dog is banned, and they just move on to another one. There will always be people who have dogs, even though they're irresponsible, even though. They promote aggressive behavior in these dogs, and simply breeding the ban or banning the breed is going to just take that. And we don't want to breed the ban. No, we don't, don't. We don't need any more. Of them. No breeding of the ban. We can stop that. Um, banning the breed is just—it's going to take that breed out, and another and other dogs are going to hop up to fill that place. Further, irresponsible ownership can cause dogs of any breed to um, to be dangerous. A chihuahua can be really dangerous if, uh, if a wrong owner has it. Golden retrievers that are known for having lovely temperaments and being such sweet babies. If it's, a, if it's a badly bred dog that has a bad temperament, then as an individual, it can be dangerous. If the people that, if the people that own it are irresponsible with it and don't train it correctly or abuse it, it can be dangerous. It has nothing to do with the breed. It's the individual dog. So that's, so that's why it's simply not going to work. The solution, rather than doing a breed ban, is to, is to punish the owner's actions. Punish the owner's actions, not the breed. What should be banned is people being irresponsible with their dogs if they are going to ban anything. If they are going to use the government and laws and statutes to try to fix this, the way to do it is by going after the people who are causing the problem, because that is the only way to stop it. Now, um, I also have another, uh, another problem with this particular ban in Denver. This ban applies to, not, it, it applies to any pit bull type dog. Now, bad enough that it applies to pit bull terriers, okay, say, say the purebred pit bull terriers. It also applies to any pit bull type. What they mean by that is it's purebreds, it's mixes, it's dogs that are completely different breeds that still are the type. So Staffordshire Terriers, um, Bull Terriers, 
all, all kinds of dogs, probably American Bulldogs, maybe English Bulldogs. Any, any dog with bull in its name is probably, is probably a candidate. And then on top of it, dogs that are completely different breeds but may look like a pit bull can also be affected by this. And how do they decide what is the pit bull type person? Some, some officer basically looks at, looks at the dog and decides whether it, you know, whether it is a pit bull type or not. So there are people out there who, you know, bad enough that people with pit bulls are losing their dogs. There are people who probably never see it coming who are losing theirs as well. If your dog looks like one. And that's the next issue, of course, then, you know, you should be concerned, too, about these bands. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, if you have any dog whatsoever, you should be concerned about these bands. Because as I mentioned before, all right, right now, pit bulls are the dogs that everybody is afraid of. In the past, it was German Shepherds. What if people become afraid of German Shepherds again? What if that's the next dog that people decide, you know, that, that these irresponsible owners decide they're going to use that to be their guard do dog and they start breeding them irresponsibly and they start training them irresponsibly and they start abusing them to make them aggressive. Then all of, all of the people out there with German Shepherds or German Shepherd type dogs, your dogs could be next. So even if you're not a personal fan of pit bulls, this could come very close to home for you. So, um, so please keep that in mind. Now, further, um, I actually have a, a site for you with a very interesting web page. Um, this site is called Pitbulls on the Web. It basically it's around to help clear up misunderstandings about the breed and to educate people about pit bulls. And the web page that I'm going that I'm going to um, put a link to on our on our web on our web page or and also into the enhanced podcast is actually one where you're supposed to find the pit bull. There are pictures of 25 dogs that all, you know, that all could possibly be, be mistaken for a pit bull, but only one of them on there is actually the pit bull. Um, when I looked at it, I actually, it was, it was hard. I actually was able to pick out the, the right one. Although I remember when Walter looked at it. Yeah, I totally failed. Yeah, Walter, Walter picked, I think, Five of them. No, I don't know if that was that many. But. You know, he picked he picked quite a few of them, and I don't I don't even know if any of them was was the pit bull. Um, so that just that just goes to show you that people with um, you know people with an untrained eye can definitely think that anything is a pit bull. But even even people with a trained eye, they they may easily mistake you know the wrong the wrong dog here. Now, so definitely go to that website. We want to hear. What happened when you guys tried it too? Yeah, exactly. It's Who got it on the first try? There you go. And you can and, and you know, please share that, you know, with your with your friends and relatives. It can be kind of a party game. Um it it, it no, but it's it's it's, it's it's a serious subject, but it is a very enlightening web page and sorry, the, close the, to the microphone the, now. The 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 qui the quiz, the challenge is actually um kind of fun. So so the point here is that breed specific bands are ineffective. And they do, they do not accomplish what they are supposed to. And they put us all at risk with all of our dogs. So please, um, these, these come up time and time and time again um, across, you know, across the country, across different countries, um, at different levels. It could be um, city, county, state, country, so on. Please um, let, your, you know, let your legislators know, let the politicians know how you feel about this. Breed-specific bans are not the answer. The answer is to hold the owners responsible for their dog's behavior regardless of the breed. 
All right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it is from the tiniest Chihuahua to the largest Irish Wolfhound or St. Bernard. Every owner needs to be held accountable for their dog's behavior, um, regardless of breed. And it certainly does not make any sense to go after one or two breeds in particular. Now, um, for those of you who may not be familiar with pit bulls, they're actually these days a highly misunderstood breed um, just because they've gotten a bad rap, not due to any fault of their own, but due to um, action, you know, irresponsible actions by irresponsible owners. Um, to, give you, to give you an example, in this same story, they have um, city councilman Charlie Brown said that in his judgment, pit bulls are trained to attack. They're bred to do that. Um, well, City Councilman Charlie Brown, you just made yourself sound like a bit of a blockhead. Let me tell you, uh, pit bulls are not, are not bred to attack people. He must have missed the, the Charlie Brown special, pit bulls are not the problem, Charlie Brown. Yes, yes, they're not. Um, pit bulls are bred to, um, to attack other dogs, they were, or, or they were bred um, originally for bull baiting, bear baiting and dog fighting. However, they were not, they were not at all um, bred to attack people. Those are two, two very different things in the dog world. And as a, and as a matter of fact, um, on the United Kennel Club website, um, the United Kennel Club is the second largest dog breed registry. Um, they, actually, they actually talk about the American Pitbull Terrier. And interestingly enough, the founder of this registry uh, founded in 1898, had pit bull terriers of his own, and the first dog founded here was a pit bull terrier. They say that um, the tem for the temperament of the pit bull terrier, it says that it is not the best choice for a guard dog since they are extremely friendly, even with strangers. Aggressive behavior toward humans is uncharacteristic of the breed and highly undesirable. So even though you know some some people out there may think that this dog looks like it's like it's macho and it should be tough and it should be, you know, and it should be an aggressive dog. Fact of the matter is, uh, naturally, what they have been bred for over the years is to be very friendly. And um, they, you know, it's been said that if somebody is to break into your house when you have a pit bull, um, the pit bull is more likely to um, be willing to show them to all your valuables in exchange for a pat on the head. Now, also on that same site that I told you uh, that I told you about before, pit bulls on the web, they have a little bit of the breed history, and what it what it talks about in there is specifically uh, when the dogs were bred for fighting. Now, I in no way condone dog fighting. I think that that is I think that that is um, not something that should that should be done at all these days. I would like to think that we are um, a bit past that and that our dogs mean a little bit more to us than that. Um, however, that is, that is where, um, where pit bull terriers came from. And when they were fighting in the pit, their handlers, their, their people actually were in, were in the pit with them. So what you have is you have these two rather large, rather muscular dogs fight, you know, fighting, which they, you know, which they were bred to do and, and went at with some vigor, um, with two people in there with them. Now, let me tell you, if these dogs were aggressive towards humans, it seems that it would be much smarter of the humans to get out of the pit. But no, no, they were in, they were in there because um, it was actually, odd, oddly enough to say, somewhat, I guess, safe for them to be in there. 
the dogs were actually are actually um, bred to be friendly towards humans, even though they were aggressive towards other dogs. Um, let me let me give you some examples. Um, during during the fight, the handlers were required to pick up and separate these dogs several times while the dogs are in full fight mode. So these dogs are going crazy and they're at each other, and these and these people are sticking their hands on these dogs and pulling them apart, which sounds crazy. I would never recommend to anybody. Um, to, to do that because you can get very hurt. However, in this particular, in this particular sport, if you want to call it that, um, that's exactly what they did do. And they had to be able to do that without getting mauled themselves. Then on top of that, after the fight, the dogs would be badly injured because they were just fighting each other and allowed to do this for quite some time. And they would be treated at ringside by strangers. So after the fight, people would take the dogs out and immediately start treating them. So basically what they're doing is they're taking these injured animals and poking and prodding at them, which you've all probably, you know, heard throughout your lives. When you see an injured animal, you don't go touch it. You don't go poke and prod at it. You don't hurt it because it's likely to turn on you in its, you know, in its pain and in its fear. However, these dogs were specifically bred not to do that because if they did attack or bite somebody, then they would be culled often on the spot. In other words, they would be put down often right there and would never have been bred. So basically, in order for these dogs to survive and pass on their genes, they had to be friendly to people. They had to let people handle them even when they were badly hurt and, um, and never, never show any sign of aggression towards a person. Now, that, that says a lot. How, how then can this breed go from being like that to being, you know, these horrible, aggressive dogs that maul people? Well, irresponsible ownership, irres irresponsible breeding. Um, I don't think at this point it's appropriate to breed them for dog fighting, but I do not think that at this point it is appropriate to breed them for being aggressive towards people either. But what, how do you explain, I mean, the statistics are, you know, about bulls and attacks and things like that. I mean, well, I know what the explanation is, but <laughs> I'm sure there's several people out there who have heard this statistic. Well, what um, ba basically um, back back in this in this news story that came from the Associated Press, the statistic that Walter's talking about is that the CDC, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and the Humane Society of the United States examined 20 years of dog bite data and concluded that pit bulls and Rottweilers caused the most deaths. Now. Um, Keep in mind that what that that's a very that's a very misquoted statistic, because what they're talking about there when they're talking about Rottweilers or other or other types of dogs they're talking about the breeds of the dogs. When they're talking about pit bulls, there they're not talking about the breed American pit bull terriers. They are talking about pit bull type dogs. That includes pit bull terriers. That includes Staffordshire terriers. It includes bull terriers. Other types of bulldogs as we talked about earlier, and it includes mixes. It also includes dogs that, you know, that people said were a pit bull. And when I, and actually, you know, Walter's heard me say many a time, as, as many of my friends have, whenever I hear about, you know, the, new, the newest pit bull attack, um, what I say is, gee, I wonder if that dog was a pit bull before it attacked somebody. And my, and my point in that is, is that, you know, it may, it may or may not have been a, a pit bull to, at all ever, ever. But at the point at which it attacks somebody, did they suddenly say, oh, it was a pit bull or decide it was a pit bull because they've heard it so many times. And that's what you hear in the media so much. So, um, so basically what they're doing is they're, they're comparing a group of dogs 
with a breed of dogs. And there, you know, there's many more dogs in that group. So even though, yes, they may cause the most deaths. Okay, if you have, if, if you have 10,000 dogs versus 1,000 dogs, then it would make sense that you would have more dog bites, even though all kinds of dogs have the propensity to bite and to hurt people. Um, you know, if just if if one percent of one thousand does it versus one percent of ten thousand, then then yeah, the one percent of the ten thousand is going to be a lot uh, much higher number. So that that's where that comes from. Um, and again, regardless of the breed, I mean, I don't you know really. It's not the question is not whether pit bulls or Rottweilers or German Shepherds or poodles um, cause the most bites or deaths. The question the question is what what were the circumstances and what is their owner doing or not doing that allowed that to happen in the first place? And that's where they really need to concentrate if they want to fix the problem. Um, now, uh, I, I actually, from my personal experience for a long time, kind of, I guess, I, for, for lack of better term, bought into the hype about pit bulls. Not that I was, you know, scared and running for the hills when I saw one, but just that I, you know, I, di I didn't, I, I wasn't particularly comfortable around them. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, yeah, we, bo we both weren't. Um, but when I started actually volunteering at the shelter and getting, and getting um, experience with the dog club, I started, I started to, to be around ones. At the dog club, there are, um, there are some that people have, you know, people have bred that they're, you know, very, very in, you know, into that breed and, and do breed them to have good temperaments. They do breed them for the right reasons, for the good of the breed in order to better the breed. No, it's um, not. It's not attack these. It's not dog fights these no. days. It's actually like weight agility pull. and weight pull and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, they do those types of positive sports with their dogs. They don't. They don't breed them for dog fighting. Um, and those those dogs are lovely. Absolutely sweet, sweet, lovely dogs. Very, very energetic dogs, but very nice dogs. Uh, and at the shelter, we ran into them all the time. Um, there are so many pit bulls in shelters around the nation, um, the, the statistic is now they are the dog that are, that are most often put down, actually, in shelters across the nation. Um, and from there, I, I met some, and they were absolutely wonderful, wonderful, sweet dogs. As a matter of fact, in the entire time that I was at the, you know, at the SPCA, there were about eight dogs that, if I didn't already have my two at home, I would have really, really wanted to bring home myself. And it was at that time where I was like, no, no, they're pit bulls, they're pit bulls, yeah. you know, it, it freaked me out. And Tara, you know, I mean, it took a long time for me to understand it. I mean, really, I don't know if we can even convince anybody in a 25, you know, 30 minute podcast, but. But well, well, the thing is, I went from being, I went from being somewhat nervous around them to, to, yeah, three, three of the, three of those eight dogs were pit bulls. And one of them, my all time, my all time favorite, he was absolutely wonderful. He was a pit bull, very energetic very, very sweet, very, very nice dog who did end up going to a good home. And interestingly enough, he ended up going to a home where they had three other pit bulls and all of those dogs got, and all of those dogs get along and got along. Um, they, you know, they followed up and sent in, um, little write-ups on how he was doing and all those dogs got along great. So even, um, even though they were originally bred to be dog aggressive with proper socialization, um, that can be, um, you, you and proper training, you can take care of that as well. So, um, so, you know, even, even, it's not even all, um, the, the, the breeding that does that. It's also partially what the people do. So even a dog that's bred well can be ruined by an irresponsible person and a dog that is bred like, you know, pit bulls been bred for years to be more dog aggressive. 
with um, proper socialization and training some of them that can be um, trained out of them. So um, just just a little a little fun story. Walter Walter actually got to know some pit bulls. Um, we have some friends who have some. Yeah, actually, they've got nine animals, four dogs, five cats, and of those four dogs, two of them are pit bulls. I remember the first time I went over to their house, I was a little bit apprehensive, you know, because I still had the stigma in my head about the dogs, the pit bulls, and you know, after I got to know these dogs, I've just kind of come to realize, you know, that, I mean, that they're just like other dogs, you know, I mean, their dogs are really wonderful. Yeah, they're, they're dogs, like, like any other, like any other dogs, you have to, of course, be respectful, because any dog has the propensity to bite under um, the wrong circumstances. But, um, but so long as everyone around, around them is responsible, same as any other dog, then um, for the most part, they're, they're fine. Um, and just, just, just a kind of little aside, there are a few, uh, famous pit bulls that you may have heard of or, um, or seen in your life. The first one is if you ever watch the Little Rascals show from a number of years back, the R Gang series that was on TV, if you remember Petey with the little, with the little bullseye right around his eye, he was actually a pit bull terrier and he was in, he was in, um, TV shows with all of these little tiny kids and was wonderful and trustworthy with them. Also, around the time of World War of World War 1, there actually was an American pit bull terrier used on the posters um for for World War 1. Um they, and they, it was kind of a mascot and a source of pride and there was a pit bull terrier named Stubby who was a decorated World War I hero. And they say that he's the most decorated war dog in United States history, actually. Yep, yep. So, um, so and he actually, he actually started about, uh, out as a, a stray, a, a stray uh, pit bull terrier. So, um, so that's something that's, that's kind of neat. But, um, but all right, so, uh, so once again, um, breed bands, not not the answer to the problem. Um, let your let your legislators know that what they need to do is to punish the irresponsible owner's behavior, not the dog's breed. And in closing, we do have a follow-up question about clicker training from our reader, George. Um, he was asking about fo- using food while training. He says, if you train with food, do you ever stop using food when giving commands? Does a dog respond when you have no food with you? Do you have to carry food wherever you go? Um, basically, what he wants is to be able to assure a dog that is not dependent on food in order to perform. And I can kind of answer all of that for you, George, in, in one fell swoop here. Um, basically, yes, at some point you can stop get using food. What, what you actually want to do is at first you use food um, all the time to kind of cement it in the dog's head. Um, what they're supposed to be doing. And I've heard different amounts of numbers, but basically it ranges from approximately 100 to 500 times that a dog needs to repeat something in order to really, really know it. So kind of keep that in mind that you're going to want to do a lot of repetitions of something. However, once you have reached the point where where you feel the dog really, really knows it, then what you can do is you can start using what's called an intermittent reward which is sometimes you give them the food and sometimes you don't. Now, at first, what you would do is say you've been giving them the food every time. You start giving them the food one time you do give them the food, the next time you don't give them the food, the next time you do, the next time you don't. And then 
just gradually work down to where you're giving them the food less and less. Um, now, when you're doing that, of course, I would recommend that you praise them every time or almost every time um, verbally that you tell them that they're being good so they still know that they're doing what you want. But yes, you can wean them off the food that way. And actually, we recommend that you do wean them off the food because of exactly what you said. You don't want the dog to become wise to the food and they'll only do what you say when you have the food with you. Um, but basically, the food is just for the training portion of it for when you're teaching the dog something new. And then every now and then as an extra bonus to kind of make sure that they're still giving you their best performance. But really, it's, it's just a tool. What you're doing is you're training the dog on what they're supposed to do. Once they know what they're supposed to do, then you just expect that of them. And you tell them how good they are and give them some praise when they do it for you. Because, you know, after all, the thing that they want the most is your love anyway. Um, the food is just a way to get from point A to point B. Except for Toby. Yeah, to Toby. Toby wants the food all the time. However, he will. He's he's been weaned off enough that he will do. Um, he'll do. He'll do his tricks and his commands for me when I don't have the food. He's still hoping for it, and every now and then I do give it to him just for just for fun and just for an extra bonus, especially when he did something especially well. But um, but no, it's not it's not necessary to do that every time. And that's a really that's a really good question because. We don't want you to have to take food everywhere. The food's just for the training part. Thanks for sending that in. And I think we've come to the end of our show. So we're going to go ahead and sign off now. And last, I'll leave you with this thought. If you have not yet spayed or neutered your dog, then please do so because it's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206 338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.